Ever wondered about rentable supply chain? Check out Lisa from Rent Frock Repeat on episode 26. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about the best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put the sexy into your supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Welcome back to all our Two Babes listeners. Today, Nick unfortunately is not with us, but I am talking to Mark from SIG University about competencies in the supply chain. Mark C. Pollock, MM, is the Chief Strategy Officer of Sourcing Industry Group, the premier global sourcing association that provides thought leadership and networking opportunities to executives in sourcing procurement outsourcing, shared services, and global business services from Fortune 500 and Global 1000 companies. Mark also heads SIG University, a revolutionary new e-learning and live training credentialing program that quickly increases the skills of your sourcing, governance, and procurement teams. Before joining SIG, Mark spent the last 20 years in adult higher education, employee development and training, executive mentorship, and sales and operation leadership. Mark is certified under Corn Ferry's Leadership Architect, Corn Ferry's 360 Assessment, Facilitation, and inter- Interpretation, Ken Blanchard's Situational Leadership, Stephen Covey's Speed of Trust, University of Phoenix Executive Development Program, and is a graduate of Sandler Sales Institute, Outselling Consulting, and Innovator, Innovators Accelerator. Hi, Mark, and welcome to the show. That was quite a bio. Wow. Thanks, Sarah. I really appreciate being here. So competencies seem to be a hot topic in business these days, and maybe we can start out with the definition and what competencies directly refer to. Well, absolutely, and then it's a great way to start. Competencies uh, are observable behaviors. So that is, they are measurable skills, attitudes, or attributes that can be closely aligned to the organizational strategy. So uh, let me give you some examples. Examples of competencies include like business acumen, uh, drives results, courage, attracts top talent, perspective, planning, things like that. And how do competencies help? Absolutely, yeah. So competency, you know, competency modeling and, and how competencies help um, is, is very different from traditional job analysis. So in traditional job analysis, a lot of times we look uh, rear-facing. So the aim in this is not to encapsulate how a role has been performed, but rather identify the behaviors that will be needed to achieve long-term strategic goals. So, um, I, you know, like I said, you could really look at competency and competency modeling as looking through the windshield versus the rearview mirror uh, with your employee development. Okay, awesome. So as an individual, how do you know you are making the right changes and developing the right skills when it comes to competencies? That's a fantastic question, Sarah. And sometimes as an individual, you you don't know that. And, And that's why I'm a true believer that everybody needs a coach who understands how to develop people, talent, and then build upon the competencies that that someone already possesses. Um, There is an important competency called self-awareness. And you should know that you're either capable of a skill or not. 
But for someone to understand exactly what they would need to do to enhance that skill is really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's take self-awareness for an example. So how, where would you start with that? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, self-awareness is just that. You know, you've been hired, let's say you've been hired into a position, and each day you're struggling to get through certain assignments. At that point, that competency really shows itself in, in the sense that you have some self-realization that I am struggling with this role and I need to seek out some help. Um, the action of seeking out help um, actually reconfirms the fact that you have that competency, that you're self-aware of what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. And then taking that to a coach, uh, typically like a manager who's also a coach or a mentor, which you know maybe we'll, we'll get to later, is, is something that is really important. So you would go to them and say, look, I, I really do feel like I'm not doing well in these areas, and I'd like some specific coaching on that. So that's self-awareness. So I guess I'm sort of going off track here, but I mean, is it is it that individual's responsibility that it, for them to find that specific person, whether it's internal in the organization or external, or is it more the organization's responsibility to help provide that? So uh, I would say that it's both. I, I mean, when we look at talent development, uh, what we'll want to really think about is who is responsible and, and what are they responsible for. I think as, you know, if, if you're an individual contributor, uh, your responsibility is to have a really great understanding of what your expectations of your job are and, and then understand what you're capable of and, and what you're not. From a leadership standpoint, we should always be evaluating our team. We should always be in front of our team talking to them uh, listening to, to what's getting in their way and be able to look at a situation and realize, now I've got some development opportunities here and maybe bring that to their attention. So it's, it's, really, it's really both people working together in order to identify what the path forward is. Right. And I guess that brings me to the next question. And we're going to kind of dive into the supply chain side of this. You know, what are organizations then looking for in supply chain talent? Are they looking for people that can come to them, you know, the leaders of the organizations to come for the, sorry, the talent to come to them and say, listen, you've given me, the, you've given me this to do, but, um, you know, I'm, I, I I need some help with it or I need some development or, or what exactly are these organizations looking for in talent? Well, I think we have to look at organizations in general. So I, I would say, starting off, that supply chain is right in line with other business categories from a, uh, from a talent perspective. Um, and, and basically what I mean that, by that is as companies are actively looking for impressive people to guide their organizations. You know, some folks that you'll talk to will say that there's a talent shortage. Um, I think right now there's an exponential growth of technology. Um, I think that there is a, a changing way that we conduct business on all of our fronts. So when you think supply chain, I, you know, what we're seeing is, is, is organizations that need employees that are action-oriented, that are, that are managing ambiguity, right? So since change is happening so fast, our, our teams are going to have to be successful in gray areas. We're seeing folks who, who need strong collaboration skills, strong customer focus skills, global perspective skills and competencies. And, and you know, those are just a few that, that come to mind right away. Um, but, but to your question, I, I mean, I think you know, when you look at organizations and how robotics are changing the world, how we have drone deliveries, 
Um, now that we have a society that what's, you know, what they order online needs to be delivered to their home in less than two hours or we're not happy, um, we have big box retailers shopping for you with robots and delivering your package to the front door. And so to me, that just says that our supply chain professionals, our logistics professionals, our procurement and sourcing governance uh, professionals are all really going to have to look and, and understand the future, the products, that the customers' needs. So that's going to tax our managers to, to really look at our teams. That's going to tax our managers and leaders to look at themselves, to say, am I prepared for the future? Am I doing the things that I need to do and build my own competencies, whether I'm an executive, whether I'm a manager, whether I'm an individual contributor, uh, to, to, be, to be able to be successful in this changing environment? Yeah, those are really great points, and I, I absolutely agree with you. And I kind of wish Nick was here for that comment, because every time somebody me- mentions drones on this show, he gets really excited. <laughs> um, they are exciting. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing that you can go online, and a few hours later, a drone drops your package off at your home, and uh, you, don't ever, you don't ever have to leave. Yeah, it comes right to you. It's, it's definitely it's a amazing. hot topic because I think you, I think in the last six episodes or seven episodes, we've had four people bring up drones and and uh, I think everybody's really excited to see where it goes. So going back to, um, and just for our listeners, you've written a blog for us that we're going to be uploading and posting um, in regards to the competencies and con- comp- competencies in supply chain. So in that blog, you talk about competency mapping. So what is that? So another great question when, we, when we're talking about competencies. So competency mapping, uh, Sarah, is, is really going to be the process to identify the core competencies from the macro level, so the entire organization, to a micro level, which would be a specific job or department and then incorporating those competencies uh, throughout the various processes. Um, so hiring an individual, job performance evaluation, training, uh, recruitment even, of the enterprise. So you, you map the competencies that are the most important to the organization, and then you make sure that the entire life cycle of the employee uh, is, is, uh, is, is mapped to those, those, those core items that that job requires. That's interesting. I've never actually heard of that before. Um, is it is it something fairly new, or has it been around for a while? It's been around for a little while. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily a newer concept. We're seeing more adoption of the concept through through larger companies because they they need to find a better way to build a job description. I mean, if you think about it, when you write a job description, it's probably out of date almost the moment that you write it because, as we just talked about organizations are exponentially uh, changing. So even though job descriptions can change, competencies that you need to be successful in a job do not. So when you start writing job descriptions before you even hire a candidate, you have to know what are you looking for? What competencies are important to your organization no matter, no matter what that job task or, or title is at this point? And then when you go through the coaching methodology, because, you know, folks are going to come in, they're going to have your core competencies, but then there's another layer of, of competencies on top of that, differentiator competencies, that you want to make sure that you're aware of. So though you bring this person in, they're a great fit right now, understanding where they are at this point in time helps you develop them into their next role. 
right? Because, you know, when we look at employment, uh, you know, it's, it's a mosaic. People stay within a role a few years, uh, maybe even less than that. Uh, they're asked to do more with less. Their skills are pushed. So we need to know as an organization where are they on a competency scale so we know what to develop. So it's a, it's a great way to be consistent with the employee. Yeah, and I guess the uh, second step to that is skills assessment. So what is a skills assessment and how does that help companies? I lost you after skills assessment. You said, what is a skills assessment? Yeah, what is a skills assessment and how does it help companies? Yeah, no, so that's that's a little bit different than, than competency mapping. So a skills assessment um, is really the process of identifying the current state of yourself uh, or of your employees. So it helps because we need to have a benchmark to understand where we are now. Um, I would say that we've all been through training that was either too advanced or not advanced enough for us. And that's because organizations don't know where to begin. So where a skills assessment is important is, let's say you're looking at your sourcing team, right? Um, You'll want to have an idea of where everybody sits on the table, who is good at what. So as this organization changes, grows, modifies, I know who to put in what roles, whether it's an informal leadership role, a formal leadership role, um, strategic thinking, innovation, um, things of that nature. I need to know where to place my people. But you have to have a benchmark. Right, right. And that's where the skills assessment comes in then. Absolutely. Okay, so then describe what a 360 feedback is and how does that work? So very similar to the skills assessment, it is a way of figuring out a a skills um, competency map, if you will, of of an individual. So if you think of a 360, um, it is the full circle of a person. And so that 360 assessment is a process where your peers, uh, your employees, your boss, clients, et cetera, get to rate your ability through prescribed uh, lists of questions. And so the benefit of the 360 is that, you know, perception is reality. And how you're perceived to those people and and perceived in the market is your brand. So by understanding how others see your skills and your competencies, you begin the process of enhancing your acumen. So I've been through a 360 process myself Mm -hmm. a few times, and it's really interesting. I think I may go in and think I've got this, this one particular skill that I'm, I'm fantastic at, but, but my employees and my boss may think differently, right? Let's say I believe that I'm a really great communicator and that I'm communicating to my team what they need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. I'm setting the right expectations with them. Uh, what I find through this 360 is I'm actually not communicating well to them. Because they go through these lists of questions, and, and the way that they answer them tells me that I'm not setting the right expectations. I'm not communicating the right way with them. Um, I'm not communicating up to my boss properly. And so what ends up happening is I believe that I have this competency, but the rest of the organization, the rest of my peers, or even my clients feel that I don't. And so the truth is I don't, because if I'm not communicating well to those groups of people, I can believe whatever I want, but those groups of people uh, really have the facts. So by doing a 360, we get some really great insight into how we're perceived into the market. And then once we get that report back and it shows what we're really great at and shows where we need improvement, that's a great tool for us kind of going back to that self-awareness question that you had earlier 
for us to begin. So now, now we've got a full understanding. This is where we are in this point in time. We have a benchmark. I know these are the skills that I'm great at. These are the skills that I need to improve. Once you get that improvement list, right, once you, once you know those skills that you need to enhance, what happens next, next is really important, and that's tying that all back to your department. So if you are in supply chain, you're going to need to look at that list and say, okay, well, my communication skills aren't strong or my ability to work with ambiguity is not good, or my global perspective is, is, is not strong, right? But it is important to my organization. It is important to my job that those competencies are strong. So that's where that self-awareness reflection comes in. Then you take that information and you go to your coach, your manager, and say, I, you know, this is what came out in the report that I need to work on. This is the direction of our organization, and it's important to our organization. And I need to get some coaching or, or some training on those particular areas. And so that's how the 360 really provides a lot of value. And, and you know, typically you'll take one and maybe a year or two years later you'll take another one. And a lot of times you'll, you'll see a shift. You know, uh, new competencies are really strong because you're starting to use those. And some competencies that you may have needed to use before uh, might become lower. And so, you know, as, as humans, we're always growing and changing. And uh, this, this 360 really helps us understand that. Yeah, it kind of takes the uh, employee assessment, that end-of-year employee assessment, to the next level. Absolutely. Because what happens in an end-of-year assessment? Right, if we think about the ones that we've had, right, and I'll speak for myself, I've had some that were wonderful. I felt like they encapsulated the entire year. I really understood where I, I was developmentally. I understood where my success was. I understood where my failures were, and I had an improvement plan. And then I've had some where I've sat across my manager, and they're like, uh, yeah, you did a great job. <laughs> I think we've well, all had that. Well, can you give me some that. specifics? No, nah, nah, man, you, yeah, you hit your numbers, or you did this real well. And, and that's the end of the conversation. And employees, I truly believe, you know, just like all of us, that we want, we want to know how we can get better. We don't show up to work every day hoping that we're going to do a bad job. We show up every day hoping that we're going to do a great job. But we need support in that area. And I would even say that annual reviews are not good enough. No. I, I think that we should have two very strong reviews a year. Right? You can still have an annual one, but I think you need a biannual one. And I think managers uh, have to get really involved. I think that we should have consistent one-on-ones with our, with our people in order to understand what they're going through, understand the job from their perspective, understand the struggles that they're having, um, and, and the opportunities for their own development. So they feel, they feel good about what they're doing. Yeah, but I also like the idea of the 360 feedback, you know, where it's not just the leader or the boss giving you their opinion. It's a collective whole and you're getting, you know, you're getting that from everybody, from your peers, from the leaders. And so it's not just one opinion. It's, it's, it's a lot more than that. At minimum, we like to do them with 12 people. And when I did my last one, there were clients that were involved, some of our customers, um, my employees, my peers, my boss, former bosses. Uh, I, I really wanted a full spectrum of, of how I was perceived in the market. It was very useful. Absolutely. No, I can definitely see how, how that can be useful and, and uh, 
you know, that I think more people should be taking a look at it or more companies should be doing that for their employees. So then on that note, what can companies do to invest in their talent and keep skills up to date? Wow, that is a fantastic million-dollar question. So um, the first part of that is be a culture of development and coaching. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of organizations may say that that's what they aspire to, um, but from top down and bottom up, organizations must understand that they've got to have that culture of development and coaching, that, that it's a welcome in that organization. That's, that's number one. If, if you don't have that, you've got to start building it. And, and a 360 is a great way to start. Competency mapping is a great way to start. But there's some other things. So um, a couple things here. Leaders should always be with their teams. I mentioned it earlier, learning, coaching, developing, assisting in real time. So, you know, again, going back to those year reviews, that's in the history. That's in the past. We need to be looking at the right now and in the future. Um, what else can companies do? You mentioned it. Uh, competency mapping um, would, would be something that would be extremely important for organizations to start with. Um, and, and another thing that organizations can do is, is, I learned this a long time ago, it's called show, tell, do, review. Show your employees how it's supposed to be done. Tell them the process, steps, and expectations. Let them do the action in front of you and then review what you saw and continue to do that until they get it right, until they've met the expectations, until they feel comfortable with it. And that's a, that's a great way to, to start building your talent. So what are the top five tips you can give to organizations to make the most out of competencies? Great. So I would say number one is be aware that competencies exist. Learn about competencies. Learn about um, uh, skills and, and what are showing up in your employees and in yourself. Uh, number two, I would say create a core competency list, that competency mapping that we talked before. Um, these are the competencies that are at a minimum you need to get hired and stay employed. We've got to define those. Uh, number three, managers need to become coaches. So, you know, there's managers and leaders. We've all heard that before, but managers need to be coaches. They need to be in the field. They need to be kneecapped to kneecap with their employees. Uh, they need to be involved. Um, and number four, coaches need to have at least once a month structured one-on-ones where they're talking about competencies. Um, they're talking about how to get better in areas that are important. They are promoting education. They're promoting self-development. Um, they're really pushing their team and understanding where they need to push their team. So not just pushing them, but what direction do, do, does the group need to go in. And then number five is mentorship. Um, someone told me this a long time ago, and it stuck with me. Everyone should have a mentor, and everyone should be a mentor. So um, start a program at your organization. If you're an individual contributor right now, manage up. Let your leadership know that you want to grow. Uh, let them know that you want a mentor and, and what that would mean to you and to your professional growth. Uh, if you're a leader in an organization, there's lots of articles out there about how to start a mentor program with your organization, but not just getting your folks mentored, but getting them to mentor. Um, because, you know, that, that whole dynamic of mentoring someone else helps you learn. And so I, I would say those are the top five things that I would highly recommend. Those are great. Now, I just have one question. So when you talk about core competencies, is that the same as the core values of the company? No, they're different. 
So an organization can have core values. There are certain things that the company wants to stand for. There are certain things that the company wants to achieve. Um, there are particular mission statements of a company that's different than the core competencies. The core competencies would be the skills, attributes, observable behaviors of an employee uh, that they must have in order to be hired. So, for instance, uh, instills trust. I want to make sure that any employee that I hire is trustworthy. I can't have someone on my team who who I always worry about is doing something wrong. There's a lot of organizations that have remote workers, and if, if I manage remote workers, I need to make sure that... Um, that uh, that you know they can they can be trusted. Uh, you know if I'm if I'm supply chain uh, and sourcing, I need to know that you're collaborative. I, I can't have you on my team if 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 you're not a collaborative person. If you're not looking to build very strong relationships with people. Um, another competency is build networks. I want to make sure that I hire someone on my team at minimum that knows how to build internal and external networks. So there are certain things. There's there's thirty there's thirty eight core competencies in Corn Ferry's competency list, and so typically what you would do when you're you're looking at building a core competencies, you look at those thirty eight, and you identify maybe five or six that are that are critical to your organization. That that no matter what employee walks in that door, no matter what they're doing in that organization, they have to have these these competencies, and then you build on that for different roles, different departments. Etc. But but that's that's how it differs. Is there somewhere that uh, we can go online to get access to those thirty eight? Now you have to be certified. So okay. uh, in 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 that process, I'm sure you can find a list of those competencies. But um, uh, typically, what you would do is you'd work with someone like myself who who would be able to identify a job position or a department and identify the competencies that would make sense for those. Okay, perfect. So it's a lot. And, and a lot of times the, the, the fallacy in the beginning is to say, well, 12 out of the 38 or 17 out of the 38 are my core competencies. And what will end up happening is you'll just never find anybody who will, who will fit the mold for, for, those, for those roles. Right, right. Okay, no, that makes sense. So from an individual standpoint, from a supply chain professional standpoint, what are the top five tips that you can give supply chain professionals to develop the right skills? So number one, I would say make sure you're reading a book a month. And that's only 15 to 20 pages a day to get through most books. I think that's the first start. Um, There is so much information. There's wonderful, wonderful books out there. If you don't know where to start, which is a place that I used to struggle with, the Internet's great. Take a look and see what the most successful people in the world are reading and, uh, and read those. Start there. Um, and don't just read about your industry. Uh, read about innovation. Read about robotics. Read about creativity. Read about leadership. There's lots of topics, and you can use all of those in order to start, start bettering yourself. So read a book a month. Number two, I would say, is teach. Uh, when you teach others, you learn. Yeah, you have knowledge that others want and, uh, and insight that they need. So learning is a mutual relationship. You're going to learn from them as you teach them. Uh, but, but that's a really important piece is, is teaching. And that could be internal, new employee. That could be external. Um, you know, that could be a guest speaker at a, at a university. Uh, it, you know, whatever. But, but teaching is, is important. 
I'd say number three is be active on social media. I'd follow the most brilliant people on Twitter and LinkedIn because probably they're following more brilliant people. And you come across so many wonderful articles, stories, uh, case studies, and you can use those nuggets of information to have deeper conversations with those in your circle of influence. So, you know, when we talked about relationship building, in order to build strong relationships, you have to find, you know, have to find commonalities between people. And, and when you're up to date and, and you're, you're a thought leader, uh, people want to have those conversations with you. And, and you, can, you can develop that all by yourself by being out there and, and finding out what is trending, what, what type of knowledge is, is, is across social media. It's a great tool if, if used properly. Um, I'd say number four is, you know, we talked about it earlier, find a mentor and be a mentor. Uh, I don't need to beat that to death, but uh, important. And then, um, you know, finally, I, I'd find a, an e-learning platform. I'd, I'd, I'd continue to get certified. I'd continue to get um, training, formalized training. Uh, you know, that's what we're doing at SIG University with, with building, a, a, you know, a couple programs around certified sourcing professionals, certified governance professionals, a whole bunch of, of different things within sourcing, procurement, and governance, uh, because as an individual, you should be looking for uh, ways to, to better yourself, well, ways to differentiate yourself. So as organizations change, you're there to raise your hand and say, I'm ready for this new task. I'm, I'm ready for this new enhanced role. So those would be my top five. Yeah, those are definitely key. I would go back to the book one and maybe challenge you a little bit with podcasts. Uh, because I feel like there is so much great information and it's really only just coming to light now. I'm not just saying that because, you know, Two Babes podcast is a podcast, but I'm also saying that because I learn and and audiobooks too, right? You don't need to be having a book physically in your hand. You could be listening to it in your car. And I listen to podcasts, you know, on a daily basis in my car, wherever I'm going, and I learn so much from a lot of them. There's so many good ones out there. I, I agree with you, Sarah. I think podcasts are great. I consider that part of social media because of the way that we put it, put podcasts out. Um, maybe I'm wrong in, in, in classifying it in that area, but I do. I, I believe that shows like yours, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd put that up with, you know, TEDx type talks and, you know, other leaders and, 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 and thought leaders in, in the community that are putting these shows together and, and bringing in guest speakers and, and talking about what's happening in the world today, really important. Um, you know, there's a lot that I could put on that list, and, and it's really tough to narrow it down. I think understanding the news is, is something else that's important. You know, we need to know what's going on in the world. We need to understand how, how organizations are being shaped by our relationships with countries, with um, uh, you know, what's happening in other countries, what's, what's going on in the world. Understanding all of these dynamics uh, really affect our roles in, in organizations and how we do business. Uh, that comes back to that global perspective competency, right? So, yeah, I, I agree. Podcasts, news, books, audio tapes, lots of ways to get educated out there. Absolutely. So then when... What do you see in the next five to ten years for supply chain talent? You know, that's a really tough question. And it's tough to say because of the exponential growth that's happening. I mean, if we were to have a conversation a year ago, uh, 
you know, I, I think that answer would be different. So it's hard to say five years from now what it will look like. But if I were to speculate, um, you know, there's some simple things that I, I, I think that would be fair to say. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think supply chain and procurement is going to become more strategic. Um, I think, you know, professionals are going to be focused more on risk, on governance, compliance, technology, um, sustainability, um, uh, the changing work environment. I think professionals in the field are going to be challenged to be more collaborative. Um, and I think relationships are going to go well beyond transactional relationships. Uh, I, I would also say that, that, you know, supply chain is, is going to be where organizations look for innovation, uh, cost-effectiveness, uh, but, you know, it's, it's just it's really tough to say it's going to look one particular way, um, you know, because of, you know, everything that, that's happening from a technology standpoint. It's just advancing so quickly um, that yeah. it's, it's, it's tough to nail down. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Technology is taking logistics and supply chain into a whole different space. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in five to 10 years. So then lastly, let me ask you, Mark, um, what can professionals expect to learn at SIG University to help them with competencies? So, you know, we've been talking the whole time about uh, these competencies. And, and so what I've gone through is the Corn Ferry scientifically-based competency mapping and Voices 360 assessment. So everything that we've kind of talked about today are things that we're able to do. We're able to look at an organization. We're able to really map those competencies back to, you know, what you're looking to achieve. Um, and then, you know, we have certification programs as well. So once we've gone through the initial processes of understanding your organization, the initial processes of, of being that coach and, and align, aligning those competencies to to outcomes that you want and, and to employee development. Um, then we also offer certifications um, to support uh, what we learned about the employee base. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Um, I don't know, Mark, if anybody's told you this, but you definitely have a voice for radio or voiceovers. <laughs> oh, thank you. I actually used to do uh, radio programs many years ago. Awesome. Well, I, I, can definitely, I can definitely tell. So thanks so much for joining us today, Mark. Well, thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep the orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist, and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and dropship distribution. They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. To get your free assessment, visit them at icecorplogistics.com and check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. How can you use competitiveness to your benefit? Whether you're a supply chain professional or an organization looking for supply chain talent, we cover everything you need to know in today's episode with Mark from SIG. Stay tuned next week as we talk to Mark, General Manager of Shell Technology Center in Houston, about how to build operational excellence. If you like Two Babes, show us some love or write us a review on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. This episode was produced by Mike Mazurik. We are your hosts, Nick and Sarah. Thanks for having us. And remember, ship happy.
Thank you.